everybody. Welcome to episode 88 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robert Robinson. Cool. Cool. I'm a little parched. Yeah. I should have thought about that. You got a whole bunch of yapping to do. I do. With a dry mouth. So, mouth. So, um, we're going to talk about some stuff today. Yeah. As per usual. Um, what did you want to talk about? Because you, you wanted to get something off your chest there. No, nothing really. You know, I just wanted to, you know, we were talking recently about, um, you know, we like to keep our, our wits, our wits, keep our, our, our talents at peak performance. Ironic. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, we like to do things in between our bigger films. And I, I just, I thought about the value of those things and, and the value of, of doing, I like doing genre pieces, you know, I love dramas. It's like my thing but i also really love sci-fi and horror and sci-fi and horror and um i thought that you know to me putting out content that's not your films you know just you know if we're gonna oh i've really always been wanting to try this lighting setup so let's shoot something around that or i want to try to experiment with something else and let's shoot something around that or whatever and then releasing that online to maybe try to build an audience or whatever you know and i didn't know I, I wanted to know your thoughts on the value of that sort of thing. Uh, well, I do know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't really have, I don't know. I don't put as much thought into it, I guess, as mm. other people do. I don't think that... You just I make what you make. I don't and... think an online presence is what it once was. It's, it's uh, somewhat of a pipe dream. Well, I think in this day and age, it's, it's important to have that support to try to get things done. Yeah, but we don't. I mean, we've been making well, know, films for well over a decade. If you think about... Our stuff's always... it's a, Most of it is available on there. Mm-hmm. Films are tricky because you can't... Uh, you, you can be disqualified from fests if they find that your work is available online. So some people will take that risk. We usually don't. But by the time it's finished in a run, you're looking at a year and a half at the least. Mm-hmm. Before a film is available, before you can make it available to the public without password, anything like that, of course. So for us, a year and a half is is like an it's a film lifetime. I mean, so I can't I don't know. I just I don't we don't have a big presence online. Mm -hmm. Our stuff is, you know, a lot of our stuff is available there. Not every single thing, of course, like um, actually Gaffer, we need to make available. Right. Because that was a little bit ago at this point. We have one more fest in March and then it doesn't matter. All that stuff. Yeah, but that's not like yeah, that's not like a you know something that we're gonna like get kicked out of for. Oh, yeah, away. it's been available. It's it was made two years ago right. almost at this point. So that's um, I'm talking about like bigger like you know, these really big fests that will want to premiere your work or they yeah. some people won't even take you if you're not if they can't premiere it. Yeah, I mean some people go as far as to do that, but for most places the. The um the the event for next month is a screening. It's not a fest. So I'm talking about like film fest that right. will disqualify you and not play your film if you just make it available. Yeah. How are they going to get asses in the seats? But I don't know. I think you know, ten years ago that was more of a thing when people start when you know YouTube was like, oh, is this this crazy thing on YouTube? This person made this film for three hundred dollars and they, yeah. had, they had a green screen and two pretzels. And you're yeah. like, oh, I got to say that. Right. And uh, now it's just that everybody is a YouTube star yeah. quoting. You know, cool. everyone's a everyone's a YouTube star. And when you compare the abundance of channels that are available to how many of those channels are lucrative mm-hmm. in their success, the percentage is quite small. Right. So I think, yeah, there was this small window where if you could get some kind of the smallest following on there, you were kind of going places. But I also think that that was temporary. I think a lot of people gained success for that one thing they did. A few of them, very, very few, continued to be able to ride off of that. But for a lot of people, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember those people that made that cool thing. Yeah. And that's really it. I think a good example of that is um, Kung Fury. Yeah. Like that. Everyone was talking about that. And, and, you know, it was, I love Kung Fu. It was great. It was mm-hmm. a great concept. But then it was like, I think it took quite a while to get that going. 
That's like years of work mm -hmm. just to get that. And then afterwards, it was like kind of the way everything else works. It was like, hey, that was successful. Let's make a movie. Let's make more, you know, and it's like, all right, but no, you made that already. You know, yeah. I like I would rather see something different because that was really creative. So there must be other things. But then it's like trying to ride the success of that one thing and then extend it. And I mean, I'm not I don't I wouldn't be rushing to watch Kung Fury the movie because yeah. to me, the lure was that short. It yeah. was, you know really nicely done and funny and great but then yeah. it goes too far yeah well you gotta you beat something until it's dead you know beating a dead horse is what the industry loves to do but yeah i mean i i like so my thing is i like to make quick little shorts that we can shoot in a weekend put some time into and make them look interesting and fun and cool and learn something i mean that's the biggest thing for me is learning something new and you know not going you know you know we finished for, you know, principal photography, if you will, for uh, Vital Sign. When did we shoot that? In September. September. And, you know, if I don't shoot another thing until next September, I'll go crazy, you know. So I'll, I do know. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to be shooting stuff. And this really gives me a chance to, like, experiment and play and, and learn things and, and whatever. And then putting that stuff online. And if you do that enough, a lot of times an audience can you have to dedicate that dedicate There's to a... that too much i think yeah. like that you have like the film riots of the world where that is their job mm -hmm. and so it's easier of course to to sort of pump out the schedule of of work because that is your work and they they're they're wildly successful at what mm -hmm. they do and then in their downtime they're able to make a film or, right. you know, set aside time to do some kind of project and they, they do their skits and stuff, but that's their job. So it's yeah. a lot easier for them to do that. And they have a whole cast and crew at their, at their disposal. Whereas mm -hmm. for us, we don't have like, I mean, we have, you know, if, if time allows, we know that we can have Rocky, but for the most part, we don't have a cast and crew. It's just right. having to then schedule that pay people that's our cast and crew is rocky it, so so uh a, um a shout skit, out to bernard <laughs> there's no such thing as a simple skit yeah for us it's because we don't have that accessibility so then it starts becoming really expensive so then some fun little things still winds up costing us a few hundred dollars yeah. so that's why i don't I, i'm more for like hey if you want to practice lighting then just practice lighting everything doesn't have to go online everything doesn't have to be displayed and you know you don't have to try to garner attention for every single thing right. you do if you get your light you get your shit together then when you make your film people are going to notice that on your film and that i feel like that's where your time and money should go not to trying to turn your your test scenes into usable skits because that gets expensive right you know, I don't, if you, if you're testing lighting, I don't need a sound, you know, we don't need to hire somebody for sound. Right. You know, it's just like, Hey, stand over there. And, or, or even if you're just like, uh, you have subpar sound because you're just testing the lighting. Oh, it'll be more interesting if I could hear the conversation. Great. Maybe if, uh, you get that all together and you're like, Hey, this would be a really cool scene. All right. Well then maybe we'll film this scene. But I think we've done that before. We're like, let's just do the skit. And then the skits get expensive and mm -hmm. you got to feed people and get people over here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, you got to be careful with that stuff. I to each their own. But for me, I feel like if you want to test your sound, then just do that on your own time. If you want to test lighting, do that on your own time. If you want to do scenes, you don't have to be. I mean, it helps as an actor, obviously. You, you want it recorded, but it doesn't have to be recorded on the best thing ever. It's just record on what you have to see what your connection and chemistry is like with your scene partner. Yeah, and then when you make a film, you'll be that much better. Right. Yeah. Did I piss all over your parade enough? No, not or? at all. Because I think, you know, I think it's two different things. You know, I think lighting tests are one thing, but then, you know, because it's great to do lighting tests. It's great to do compositing tests or whatever you're going to do to try new things. But then I also think it's important to tell a story. I mean, that's, you know, you can, you can sit here every weekend and practice technical stuff, but if you're not practicing the creative stuff and the only way for you to keep being create, uh, keep thinking about, the only way for you to get better as a storyteller is to tell stories. And so if you just are just doing tests every weekend until you shoot, that's great. Those things will look good. But then you're not really improving as a, as an actu as a director and as somebody who's trying to craft yeah. a story out of something. So I think there's value in both. You know, I don't think you should put every test you do online, but I do think that there's a lot of value in telling a quick little story and 
Yeah, if, pacing and editing and, and tone and that and, sort of stuff isn't something you just. And if you have the the the, the ability to do that, right. uh, our it, our biggest crutch is that it's just you and I for right. the most part. And again, that stuff doesn't to, to your earlier point. That stuff doesn't have to be, um, you know, if I'm like, look, I, I really want to put something together because I feel like I need to work on my pacing or my tone or whatever. It doesn't mean that I necessarily have to have the best audio. So if I put a boom on a, on a, a light stand and we're good to go for the most part, you know, so well, there's, there's, there's shortcuts you can take to just focus on the thing you're focusing on. That's all I'm saying. Not to, not to, um, not to put out there though. I feel like if you no if maybe not to put out there maybe great, you, you put it out there maybe you don't that's there. that's a that's a game time decision if you will but the, <laughs> all right coach you know send them in um, I'm just saying that whatever it is that you're working on you you're able to just focus on that one specific thing um, you know audio for us is never really going to be something we're working on because that's never you know maybe audio editing or whatever but that's that's something that is kind of more determined on how well it's captured on on the day to know how we're going to edit well, a it. A lot stuff. of it is, but yeah, so it's, that's never, it's also equipment and what you have. Yeah. And is this going to work and not work? And uh, unfortunately we don't have, we don't, I would love if we had even the smallest group of film friends that were like, we just want to make films and we're in, if we knew a sound person and we knew a first AC, it's pretty much what we need. Like a sound mm. person and a first AC that was like just ready to go to make films. That would be ideal. But uh, that was very good at what they do. But we don't have that. We have yeah. to seek those people out. And those people have other jobs. They either do this full time or they're doing other things. They do this on the side. And so you have mm. to coincide all those schedules. And now so it's yep. tough. So it's very tough. That's why we don't do stuff more often. Yeah. But even within this business, we do a lot more than most people do. Yeah, because we're like impatient. you said, they'll do one film and then that's it for a year or two. A year or two. I'm mean, like three or four years people yeah. will will write a film for. And I just can't do that. It would just drive me crazy. So we generally make a film every year, two year and a half, depending on how involved we've done a film. And then the year later, done another film. A Vital Sign took a long time and it was a longer short and it was very involved. And so we have to unfortunately we fortunately and unfortunately <clears throat> have to take more time with it so it's great that the efforts being put in there to get it out to the public but then that also means that we still have to put a lot of our attention into that and can't i can't do that i can't i can't shop something around like this and be in film fest mode especially with a lot of the film fests that we submitted to they're like one after another it's like Mm -hmm. they're like three weeks apart some yeah. and some days apart yeah which i don't know if, if we get into both i don't know how the hell we figure that out because some of them are very far from one another and we'd have to drive but i can't like i cannot focus 100 percent on something that i'm doing if i'm still attached to something else oh yeah that's my that's my uh, issue yeah but like I can't it, dedicate myself to another story when I know that I still have to run back to this story in two weeks and then three weeks after that and mm -hmm. then a month after that for film fest and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for the, uh, the, the origin phase of it. You know, if you're trying to tell a story and you're keep getting pulled away to go mm -hmm. watch your, yeah. your previous film. It's, yeah, for sure. So that's that. Yeah. That's how we feel about that. I yeah. Guess. It was just rolling around in the noggin because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm itching to film some stuff. Yeah, well, get some hydrocodas on it. Get over it. Well, not like a full-on movie. I'm just saying, like, whatever. Anyway. Um, so we, we watched some things. And uh, one of the things I, I tried to get the director on, but she's, uh, she's a director-writer. She was quite busy. Um, she's actually working two projects at the same time. So she wasn't able to come on. And I, I did want to review it this weekend, so I figured we'd just review it in either way. But um, we do want to try for the rest of the year just to get some more guests on. And things. Mm -hmm. Summer's a little bit tough, as you know, if you've been following us, because we get a lot of noise from the neighbors and the, yep. the weed whacking and the lawnmowers. Mm -hmm. So we have to record at weird times, so it's hard to schedule Kinda appointments. Soundproof that attic. Yes, I can get a drum set. Yeah, buddy. So. Yeah, so we watched we watched a couple of things. Mm -hmm. What did we watch? That that I found that I found interesting. A couple of things that that I had wanted to uh, view, and uh, we talked last week about them that follow, and uh, we kept with our promise. We did watch it, yes, and that was true. the director, um, one of the directors that we tried to get on, uh, Britt Poulton, <clears throat> and um, so I think it's. Uh, 
Dan Madison Savage and Britt Poulton were uh, both writer and director, mm-hmm. I guess both which was i don't think i've ever yeah, seen man. that before it's usually one that does or something whatever it's like a so that team was, effort it's pretty cool so it would have been cool to talk to them but um so yeah so this film was uh starring caitlin is it dever 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 i want to say, I wanna say, I wanna say you did uh and the lovely olivia coleman who i absolutely adore sure and um uh walton goggins who kind of scares me i don't know what it is <laughs> that guy uh well, anytime you see him, you know he's up to no good. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. And I feel like you know that that goes into a, a large. I don't want to stray too much, but he you plays know. a lot of that those yeah, type so, of shady characters. So I know that when I see that character, I know they're bad, and which could work for you or against you because you know I, I don't know. You've already got a preconceived notion of this person going into. Well, it wasn't it. necessarily bad in this film. Yeah, um, I feel like this is the. But, I haven't seen much of his stuff, but this is the most I've ever seen him like stretch as an actor. I guess he, mm-hmm. you know, he had some more subtleties in his performance. Anyway. Uh, well, yeah. So uh, Lewis Pullman, who I always know as major, major, major. Mm-hmm. If you saw Catch-22, uh, Thomas Mann. Jim Gaffigan was in this. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. He did another film, too, recently that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm interested to see that one as well. I have to look I have to look up what that film was. Um, <clears throat> but I was I was excited for this because I, I really liked the um, I liked the cinematography on it when I had seen the trailer. So I was I was interested. And then I saw the cast and I was like, all right, well, how bad could that possibly be? Honestly, um, I have to say as as good as everyone did. Um, my, the, the character that stood out the most for me was Olivia Coleman. Yeah. And not just because I, I love her and she's my favorite. Um, oh, also, uh, crap. Uh, Alice Englert. I she was the she lead. She was the lead. Yeah I, yeah. I didn't mention her. Sorry. Um, way to bury the lead. Literally. <laughs> um, uh, maybe it's because I know that uh, Olivia Coleman is British. Yeah. And she has this very distinctive sort of way of speaking. She has this fast, sort of rapid, kind of nervous way of expressing herself. Uh-huh. And she's like quite chill in terms of that for this film. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was that, but it, so this is, I, I have a, a pet peeve with like strong Southern accents. Mm-hmm. I can't do like Texas and like deep South and like the Carolina. And when uh, things are precious, and yeah. I cannot do that. Like it just, uh, there's just so much of that that I can take. This isn't. This is different. This is more of like, a, like an Appalachian. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it is. I can, I can take an Appalachian accent like no problem, but yeah. I can't do like, like the stereotypical Southern, like Texas, mm-hmm. Tennessee. That kind, I can't. I just can't. So I was really glad that this was more. This was like more like mountain. Yeah, and I can. Tolerate that a little I, more. I, and I'm like fine with it. I'm fine mm-hmm. with it. But uh, I was a little scared at first because I was like, oh, no, I hope they don't have like a very typical Southern accent because I'm going to want to punch the screen. But they didn't. And hearing Olivia Coleman, it was just so weird. It yeah. was like it's Olivia because what was weird about it was that I bought it completely. Mm-hmm. As you should with her. She's so good. Yeah. She's so good. And as we said, Jim Gaffigan, Jim Gaffigan's role was, was small, mm-hmm. but, you know, I kept waiting for him to just yeah. diarrhea pocket. Yeah. <laughs> like, when is he going to do insert some... Insert into toilet? Insert into toilet? When is he going to whisper at himself yeah. like he does? When is he going to speak in, like, third person and yeah. whisper at, at himself? Because I'm just so used to that in his stand-up. It was really weird to see him play a serious character. Yeah. I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, like I didn't you said, think it was, he had that. It was pretty small, going. but it, there was never a mo- like. If I didn't know who he was, I would just assume he was an actor, right? That it, you know, not and not a comedian. I mean, he's an he is an actor, but I wouldn't assume that he had he, such a pedigree, if you will, as a <laughs> as a comedian. A pedigree, yeah. Well, I uh, so I I liked the film. I did. It was different than what I thought it was going to be. I guess. Yeah, I had no preconceived notions going in, like most of the I movies kind, that you I picked. kind of did uh, from watching the trailer. I don't know if I saw the... Did I see the trailer? I, I don't know. I did. I don't think I saw the saw trailer. saw it a, a while back. I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but it was just different mm-hmm. than I thought it was going to be. I still really liked it, though. I thought I thought it was... I thought the, the cinematography was really good. Mm-hmm. Very natural looking. The writing was really good. The performances were good. <clears throat> um 
you know, there's 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 uh, every aspect of of a, of a story that you're like, why would they? And there was like that moment at the end. I won't say what it is, but there's like shit is on the line. And uh, I kind of wanted to like high kick everybody at the end sort of mm-hmm. for taking as long as they did to make a decision yeah. that they wound up making anyway. And I was like, why yeah. didn't you just come to that conclusion like 24 hours ago? Yeah. Um, but but, you, but there's a reason for it, right? Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just you know that that's just what happens, I yeah. guess. But that that was that made me a little anxious because I was just like, oh my god, like do something. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I I liked it. I would recommend it. I'd give it uh, like a a minus. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Probably more like in the B plus range. I um, Olivia Coleman was you know perfect as always and uh this so this is like pretty much the second movie in a row that we watched with Kat, caitlin dever yeah something about her you know that i feel like she she was in that uh, the previous movie she wasn't the star but i still feel like she kind of was very strong in show the, in, you mean unbelievable no unbelievable oh that too <laughs> unbelievable and then she was in book smart which book we're smart, talk and then about. this mm-hmm. um i don't know i think she's i felt like she was kind of a lead that they shared the lead yeah. in that movie. But I think that she just seems like the type of person that's obviously going to be a big star. I didn't someday. see her range in Unbelievable. I thought she was okay. Like, she did a good job, I guess, you know. But I didn't really see... It, it was interesting because I wondered, watching that show, if she had been scripted to play the character that way. Was the character mm-hmm. supposed to be this way? This, like, you know, very, like, reserved mousy? Is it mm-hmm. because of her upbringing and foster homes, all this, this? I always wondered that. And so I, I didn't expect her to have the range that she had, which I then saw later in Booksmart. Like, I would have never mm-hmm. pictured her be, like, playing a character that way. And so she she has really good range, and mm-hmm. she can... Um, well, it answered my question that, that the character was supposed to be that way. Yeah. So, yeah, I think she's going to, I think something just came out recently, a trailer, another trailer of something that she's in. I have to look it mm. up. But, yeah, so I, I thought Them That Follows was really good. And so now we can segue into Booksmart, which we also watched, mm-hmm. uh, which was um, directed by Olivia Wilde. Wild. And so this when this came out in the theater, I wanted to see it. Me too. Stuff happened. No. I showed you the trailer and you were like, oh, all right, whatever. And then I, we, I think we were, we were like no. pretty, yes, we were pretty deep into pre-production. It was very, it was quite close to when we were filming. And so we just, we, we weren't in movie time. And so we didn't, we didn't get to see it and I heard a lot about it. And then when the whole Oscars thing started, a lot of people were saying, you know, that it didn't get nominated. And then I thought like, well, was it nomination worthy or are we just like, trying to like are we mm-hmm. trying to find female directors to say that they should have been nominated like what you know i thought from the trailer it looked interesting and funny but i wasn't sure and then i was a little on the fence at the start of it it's very much a modern day teen movie yeah crazy like, night it's adventure yeah it's the, the the same formula that every teen movie in the 80s had license to drive yeah like you know weird science like that that same formula that all of those movies have where it's like none of this would ever happen in this order all in one night. Mm-hmm. All of these people do not exist together. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. There's no school. At least I wondered that, too, when we were watching it. And I was like, I really feel like they took the the like they stretched the stereotype of every personality in high school and shoved them all into one graduating class. Yeah. Um, It was like every cliche of a cliche. And I don't mean this in a negative way, but this is what what a lot of those movies did. Same thing in the 80s. Like Mm -hmm. we did, you know, the nerd nerd was the nerdiest nerd that ever nerded. And the popular girl was the most popular that ever populated. It was just the same. You know, you had that same thing. Jockeys jocks. Jockeys jocks ever. And so part of me was like, God, I really hope this class doesn't exist because they are obnoxious. (laughs) Like all, all the time with all these people, I couldn't deal with it. Um, it has, it's, it's very much written by an adult, I guess. And that's, that was something that has always been evident in these teen films. When you go Mm -hmm. back and you watch Weird Signs and Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink and all this, you know, they don't talk the way teens talk Yeah, (laughs) and neither did these teens. And I think that's what maybe makes it, uh, more palpable for adults. Mm -hmm. Cause if I heard... A lot of upward infection and like and like and like all the time. Be like, I ah, you got to shut this shit off. I can't deal mm-hmm. with it. And so it does. 
that it is written for adults, yeah. which takes away from the, I guess, you know, yeah. authenticity of what teenagers are. Like these teenagers don't exist, <laughs> at least not many of them. And so I got a little worried at first because I was like, oh, man, it's following that formula. I'd say like the first 20, 25 minutes, I was kind of on the fence. And then and then it pulled me in. Yeah. Because I had to just sort of accept like, all right, this is a teen movie written by adults and it's going to it's it's doing its thing, which is the same for all of them. Mm -hmm. Once I kind of accepted that, I was able to go into it. I thought it was more when I watched the trailer, I was thinking more like um, more indie. Yeah, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought it was more like along like the Juno lines, like that yeah. kind of thing. That's what I was thinking. So then when I got this, that was very like dick and balls. I was like, oh, whoa. Yeah. I don't like have a super bad type of movie. Yeah. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not against dick and balls. <laughs> so to not speak. right now. You're not. <laughs> hey, oh, um, it's, but it's just, you know, like if you, if you um, were, didn't know anything about Deadpool, right. And you were just like a safe comic book character movie person and you got that movie you'd be like what the fuck is this like yeah. this is not you know i'm not used to this. so that's what it was like i didn't think we were gonna it's get the deadpool of teen comedy i didn't think we you. were gonna get D B. you know yeah. what i mean and so i was like oh it's this kind of yeah. movie so i think that's why i kind of needed a second to adjust to, to adjust mm -hmm. and i was like all right now i can just go into the mindset that i need to be in to enjoy this yeah yeah i mean um i i agree with what you said um and i know like Again, you know, I think a lot, a, a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of the stuff I've heard about this movie was all about was it Beanie Feldstein? Is that her name? Yeah. Um, about how great she was, and she was great. Yeah, but, she was really good. You know, so was Caitlin Dever, and you didn't hear anything about her. So I don't know. I thought it was just kind of weird that 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 happened that way well, because it's about them both yeah yeah you know and but i just thought Beanie it was has like the more aggressive personality of the two so yeah, i guess she stood out more i, I don't guess know. but I, I don't know i feel like they both did a great job i don't know why and not that she didn't deserve to get attention of course she did but i don't know why that why it was so lo lopsided that way why well, i, I think an that interesting kind of case were... study in that i guess there were cool characters that weren't like the uh, their teacher, Jessica Williams. I actually really liked her character. I liked the way she played yeah. that character. <clears throat> and she didn't have nearly as much face time as they did. She was in it for just a bit. Um, uh, some of the other characters, so that Skylar Gizondo, I believe his name is. He's the kid that was like trying hard to get everybody to like him. He's just got yeah. this face. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, you want to laugh at his face and I don't know why. I, I, that's, I feel... Like that's a I don't mean it in like a mean way. He yeah. just has this like twenty four seven nervous smile, which yeah. then makes you want to like laugh at his smile because you're like, why is he laughing all the time? <laughs> um, there were just kind of moments that um, you didn't maybe expect. There, there is a moment uh, with a microphone and a karaoke mach uh, machine yeah. <laughs> that I did not see coming. And I laughed way too hard at it's yeah. it's very, you know, junior high humor, but mm -hmm. it just I don't know, just the way it played out was I just didn't see it coming. And I yeah. was like, that was kind of I, that was the, the one thing I laughed the hardest at was when you get to that point of the film, you'll know you're there. Yeah, uh, it's it involves Alanis Morissette and a mic. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the funnier things. Yeah, that was really funny. And I wondered, like, was that scripted? I would love to know yeah. if somebody was like, listen, here's what I'd like you to do. Because I have a feeling that maybe that was just something the actor did. I feel like I feel like it was. I um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I don't know if I look, I, I don't really hold a lot of weight to awards, you know, be it Academy or Spirit Awards or SAG Awards. I don't really they don't really hold a lot of weight for me. But that being said, I don't know if this was like, you know, an award worthy film. Mm -hmm. was great but i don't know i don't really well also we didn't mention the writers were emily halpern and sarah haskins mm -hmm. the writers oh haskins that haskins that haskins um but i don't know i'm kind of so over awards especially oh yeah after this last oscar no, for sure, i'm but just like i mentioned it only uh, because i was like you know that that people were comparing it to award-worthy films, whatever that means, because mm -hmm. that's subjective, of course. And I thought, like, was it that good? I think 
there was there's a little part of me that wishes that it had been what I thought it was going to be. I would have liked to have seen an independent, like a more independent type film. Yeah. For what it was, I generally don't like those super bad. First of all, I don't like a lot of those movies because fucking James Franco's in like almost every single one of them. And I can't with him and Seth Rogen. I just can't. But I like Seth Rogen, too. But those comedies just don't do it for me. I, I, I. Seth Rogen sometimes happens to be in things that I like, yeah. but I don't actively seek out oh, no. his character. No, I don't. And I say character because it's the same character yeah. all the time. So I think that I just get I'm just tired of it. And so I don't I generally don't like those pineapple express. Like yeah. I don't I don't watch them and I don't like those like types of films. Mm-hmm. This was the girl version of that. And I don't like it because it was the girl version. I just think I that think it, it was, was done. I thought that it was done better than those films usually yeah. are. Yeah, I thought it sure. was a higher caliber of a dick and balls film. Yeah. That there's a way to do it and Olivia Wilde had, did it. You had you had arcs and stuff. It wasn't just pot jokes all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's the thing. You like it, that's cool, whatever. I don't I don't really care. But like, you know, I I need I personally I that's just not something that clicks for me. I mean, we talked about the last episode about things working or not working, but um I don't want to reiterate all that, but you know that those are just films that have never worked for me. This to me didn't feel like one of those films at all. It felt more like a Juno than it did one of those, but it wasn't a Juno in terms of the independentness of it. To like, me, it felt more like those other films done right. Yeah. I feel like everything that I don't like, I generally don't like about those films, was what I liked about this film, and they they had that nice balance to yeah. it. And I also appreciate that at no point in this film did I see a titty, hmm. which. There is no way that they would have gotten through this film if it was a male-dominated cast and director without titties. Yeah. Even balls, possibly, but definitely tits. Like, there there would have, without a doubt, been some girl that ran across the camera with her boobs flying out for Mm -hmm. no apparent reason. Bras would have came off Mm -hmm. just because. Yeah. Uh, We even had it in Magic Mike, I believe, where Olivia Munn is topless, which is like, this is a movie for women. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and if it's a movie for gay men, they don't want to see that shit either. So, well, like, you got to get to the got you got to have something this, for the boyfriends. This, this movie, this movie was is is geared towards straight women and gay men. So I don't know why Olivia Munn's boobs are in here. So, but it was like we just they they just couldn't resist mm-hmm. the the urge to put boobs in it. Yeah. And I think that that's what all those other films that are that are more like you know dude dude bro kind of films will definitely would have had nudity on yeah. on on the woman's side and this didn't have that and told there were like a hundred opportunities for it and it didn't have it and you know what it didn't need it well, and this, it was the, just the as good the swimming pool scene was a little risque i thought uh, yeah a little but you bit. didn't see anything no but it wasn't it wasn't for the sake of it that's what would be well, like they're if in you a were swimming in a pool. pool yeah right, exactly. like you know they're, they're in a swimming pool and that's what yeah. that's what's going to happen there and they weren't like nude nude yeah, you yeah. know it was just uh People in their underwear. There are people in their underwear swimming, and uh, you're moving slowly, so you're going to mm-hmm. see things move in ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jiggle. <laughs> Jiggle. Um, but I thought that that was what was so well done about it. That was like, you know what? You could have easily put all that stuff in here. You had like ample opportunities to just have the cliche standard nudity, yeah. and she didn't do it. And so I, I applaud her for that. I think yeah. that that was cool. Yeah. And I didn't miss it. It just so happened to be at the end. I was like, you know what? is funny we didn't see a single boob in this movie and uh normally that's what you you'd see in these types so it's it's weird i give this film four out of five nipples (laughs) i'd give it i'd give it four nipples as well it was pretty good i definitely recommend it um so carrying on Mm -hmm. we watched a lot of stuff we did we watched a lot of stuff a lot it's like we made up for all the weeks that we weren't able to do anything and mm-hmm. we were just like cram it all in. So we also watched uh is it Apple Plus? Apple Sure. Disney Plus? Disney is it Disney Plus? What is it called? Disney Plus. Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. <laughs> How did we not know the name of Yeah, it's Disney Plus. This, of this of this uh platform here. I don't know. Disney Plus. Um so if you have the Disney Plus Apple things um, there's a, a show on there called um, The Imagineering Story, I believe it was called. I thought it was just Imagineering, but I don't know. I think it was The Imagineering Story or something. And it, it's it's six, six episodes. They're quite long. 
Yeah. Just uh, be ready for that. I was not. Content. There's a whole lot of content and there's a whole lot of information. So you kind of have to be willing to sit there and listen and pay attention. And um, but they, they I think we, we were kind of getting spoiled with like half hour type things. And mm-hmm. um, this this went on for a bit. Really informative. So basically it's uh, it's the history of Disney World. Um, more specifically, well, not mm-hmm. like not Disney movies so much as the um, the actual theme parks, right? And the Imagineers, which they're called, yeah, because that, they're uh, engineers with imagination. Look at that! Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was it was a lot more interesting. <laughs> it was <laughs> sounded like you were it trying it, to. It was so poisoning. poisoning. Um. I don't know why I couldn't get the words out. I, I guess because I thought it was going to be, again, I thought it was something else. And it wound up being way more, it was in depth. Oh, you're right. The Imagineering story. You were trying to prove me wrong. Is that No, what I wanted to see what it was called. So we knew what to say. And who was right. Okay. So don't, don't, don't. Pshaw. Pshaw to you. Pshaw to you, woman. I'm going to prove you wrong. No, I wanted to see what, so we could tell, so we knew. I said the Imagineering story. You said, I believe. I believe usually means that that's what I believe it is. Yeah, you do. But that doesn't mean that you're 100% sure. (laughs) (laughs) I was just making, I was just backing you up. All right. Okay. How did that work for you? Well, because I, you were correct. Okay. So I, I liked, I liked it. I felt like it was a little long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe could have consolidated this into like four episodes, maybe. But I still thought it was it was really interesting. I thought, yeah, definitely thought it was fascinating that you you're basically going from, like you said, from Walt Disney building the first Walt Disney Disney Land, Disneyland. Yeah, technically. But then all the way up until, you know, Rise of the Resistance, the most recent ride they just built. And a lot of it was structured on how these people have to constantly up the ante and make bigger and think bigger and be creative. And um, so in that way, it was really fascinating to kind of see that. Um, I It would have been interesting to kind of see this from an outside perspective. You know, it was made by Disney mean? about Disney. Oh, so, you know, oh, they're okay. going to like of course. sugarcoat it and stuff. And I mean, they did, just, they did get into some of their failures and some of their shortcomings for sure, you know, because it's public knowledge yeah. probably and they'd have to, um, but uh, it would have been interesting to get like the dirt as well, as well as the good stuff that happened, like the Nazi propaganda, yeah, and... stuff like that, <laughs> racism, the woman and... hating, yeah, yeah, um, different times. All mm-hmm. right, this is a different time back they then. They were just different times. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was and it was great. It was really interesting the way they told it too, because you can feel the shifting when it would get to a new era or somebody new would take over, mm-hmm. and how like once you know. Walt Disney passed and then it went to somebody else and then how they ran it. And you could kind of see how everything kind of shifted and priorities changed and, and all that stuff. I mean, and, and it's never, you know, it's, it's kind of like Apple in that way of like, you know, you have Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs passed and now everybody's going to be like, well, Steve Jobs wouldn't like that and blah, blah, blah. And you could say the same about D- Disney World and be like, well, Walt Disney would never approve of this happening but like that's just not the way that it works you know these people pass on and they're like listen don't do what i would do well, do what you sure would want to do that like walt disney would not have given would not have created gay characters in frozen 2 yeah you know well yeah it works on both ends you of would, the spectrum they for sure that my my question to mr disney would have been is he okay with like 200 dollar a day park tickets yeah i don't know what the prices were Back then, I'm curious to see inflation wise and like comparatively, what did it cost to go to Disney World compared to what you made for a living and what living wages were and Mm -hmm. how was this just as unattainable for so many people? I wonder that because such a hard thing to tell. I like, look, I have a thing with corporations in case you haven't noticed tinfoil hat in case you haven't noticed. I don't I don't pity these people, these giant you know, monopolies that, yeah. that, that break off and Warner brothers and Comcast, Netflix, Amazon, all these people like, uh, you know, you don't, you don't work hard at becoming a millionaire. The only way for you to be a millionaire and a billionaire is for other people to suffer. <laughs> there's, there's no way More often for than you not. to I'm do sure that. There's people that, you know, you know, you can have a success. It's one thing to have a successful company. That's different from having a $60 billion company. Like you don't, you don't obtain that because you worked hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that isn't to say that there isn't hard work into it, but the only way for you to keep that 
type of money for you to be worth that much money is for you to underpay your employees yeah. offer them shit wages zero you know workers comp or whatever the hell you know insurance and vacation look you know, at you jeff bezos and then all of them really yeah. you know there's that's just how it is i mean there have been countless articles of of um, disney employees that have been like we, we make shit you yeah. know so i it's certainly not to to uh to lean on on the side of of the corporation but i just guess before this i hadn't really thought about how much these things cost to make like when you start to see oh yeah the numbers and then the extent of like this isn't an existing property that they just threw the buildings on there were swampland Right. And then they had to yeah. like convert that into areas that they could actually make stable enough so that they didn't sink. And, you know, and uh, I think in, in, in one of them, one of them, there was a point where their 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 asphalt or their blacktop, blacktop was yeah. faulty. And like with well, the heat, and the first Disneyland, when it first opened, yeah, the, 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 the heat was such a problem that women's heels were getting were sinking into the yeah, asphalt. Yeah, yeah. You know, things that you don't really, you know, you now have to repave that. Mm-hmm. So like it's just things that you don't really think of and um well i think it's stuff you think of but i think everything comes down to the wire like whatever project you're working and this seems like just a universal thing is that there's you're always rushing to the deadline and i and i feel like why can't projects just because nothing works like that you you know so then you give yourself extra time i don't know there's 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 no way to anticipate that and this no i know this in no way in no way compares obviously the to the magnitude of of a, a park is as ginormous as disney but i learned that um being part of a restaurant open like that was that took way longer than i ever thought it was going to it, you, just when you think you're on schedule you get slapped with something that knocks you yeah. 30 days back and you're like what do you mean we can't open on that date now we already have everything set to open on there and this says this and this is that and now this has to be fixed and uh oh so the, the sous chef just walked out cool we got to rehire somebody like yeah. the, it was the most chaotic experience that made me realize i would never fucking want to open a restaurant by myself at least mm-hmm. um and uh, myself and and the the head chef there were given way more responsibility than a head chef and pastry chef were ever given. But we were trying to work up that corporate ladder, which we got slapped down from. So it was all in vain. But it was a lot of work. And yeah. you don't think of that. You just you pass by a spot and it's oh opening soon. And you don't know what's going on inside of there. There's a lot of stuff going on inside of there that you're not seeing. Right. You just see it when it opens and you're like, oh, we just popped up the next day. It's ready to go. This is like you're building entire structures and not just stru- it's not just like a, bu- a a building that that is just um, that it's an exterior and that it's a facade. You know what I mean? Like there's an actual you can actually get into that building. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that there's apartments in all of them or anything, but these are buildings that you actually have to access or have staircases to and ways into. And so you're looking at functioning buildings that it just, it's nuts. Yeah. It's yeah. They take, nuts. it takes like three or four years and like $5 billion to make one of those parks. Yeah. So it's a lot, it's of, a lot of time, a lot of money um, and a whole lot of fun. I think, I think it, um, I kind of understood then when they announced that they were doing avatar and I was like, why in the hell would they do avatar? And then when you watch the show, you're like, Oh, because from conception to execution, years and years have gone by and i think that's probably the one of the riskiest things right because this is cool now yeah but is it going to be cool five years from now when we're finally done with the park i think yeah. with pandora is a pandora or yeah, something like that. you're aesthetically it's very cool i don't like avatar i didn't get under i didn't not that i didn't understand avatar i understood i just didn't understand well, the lure simple. of it yeah. i was just like all right, that's it. I mean, people were talking about this like it was the most groundbreaking thing that had ever been made. Like we went to see it in the theater and I was like, all right, yeah. giant blue people flying around. Gotcha. Yep. It, I, I didn't care to see a sequel or prequel to that. And when they said they were doing the park, I was like, okay. They have like the color palette and just the fantasticalness going for them. So you don't really have to be an avatar fan yeah. to appreciate how cool that must look, but it just seemed like a weird. Yeah. But then, but then even within choice. that, you, you look at some of the engineering that would go into making it look like one of the things were floating and, you know, um, it's just, it's just cool to see how they creatively problem solve. Yeah. It's a six hour problem solving session. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. 
I really, I, I really did enjoy it though. Yeah. I think it's one of those things also that you have to sit with mm-hmm. while you're watching it. You're like, okay, okay. And then afterwards you start to, start, you know, really think about the magnitude of what was happening there yeah. and what happens there. And you're like, shit, that's, yeah, okay. I think I can almost see it differently. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for when we go again mm-hmm. to see it now knowing these things, right? Yeah. Like, will I look at these? Di- I think that I will be looking at the structures differently. I'll be looking at the design differently, knowing all of the work that goes into it. It's like, oh. Like every little detail, yeah. Yeah, the the hologram of the haunted mansion of the woman's head in yeah. there now, like knowing, mm-hmm. oh, I, that you know, that was the woman that was talking. And yeah. it, this was all irrelevant at the time, the first time around, because you're just like, oh, we, we, whatever. And now you have all this backstory, I guess, and you get to watch that kind of go from the ground up. And it was it was pretty interesting. Mm. It was really interesting. I give it an A. Yay. Yay. I did like it. A yay minus. <laughs> you give it a yay minus? Just because it was too long. Yeah. So... One more thing that we watched. Again, we're just we're yeah. throwing it out there. We've watched things. We. I don't know how I'm gonna fit all these thumbnails on the Instagram thing. Stack it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we watched In the Dark, which yeah. is on Netflix. Well, it was. It's on the it, CW. It's on the but CW, it's, but it's, on, but Netflix it's, it's on Netflix. And this was a this was a weird choice for me. I put this on the queue months ago and it just kind of sat there and i thought i watched the trailer for it and i was like that looks interesting i kind of like the sarcasm there yeah got it i was a little bit on the fence though because able-bodied actor playing a disabled actor and it's like mm, you know yeah. i had never i i had never seen i'd seen this the 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 lead in uh in, in this show perry something was um an actor that i had seen but like her face looked familiar to me but I didn't know why. It was just like, what? It's not, I don't know. Um, and so uh, Perry Matfield is the lead. And then I realized that she had a small part in Shameless when we still watched that. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, yes. Okay, now I know who she is. <clears throat> and I say this with kindness, but I don't feel that she's like a household name or face, right? Right. And so I feel like that could, you could have easily given that part to somebody who was actually visually impaired Mm -hmm. because it's not like you're like well all right but we've got like this a-list actor or this very popular cw actor that's you know that we're gonna get views because of this person and that's how that's our justification for it this was like the perfect opportunity to be like all right well this isn't like a super super well-known actor she is now uh because she did so well on the show but it was just kind of and uh, did they did they have um actual visual visually impaired actors yes they did i mean they did there they did, was yeah. that inclusion but it's just there's always like that touch there was, and go um i want to say two writers that were blind possibly something like that know. i think um i don't know i hadn't looked into it um i just i, I don't know i feel bad liking it cuz uh, look the 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 politics of it aside she did an amazing job. Like I yeah. totally bought that character. Um, I loved the character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just this real subtlety to the way she played, just the way she would shrug or make a face or something. It was just like hilarious. Mm-hmm. It was very, you know, very authentic. And I loved that uh, uh, about her character. But then there's that part of me that's like, you know, it's just, it's really fucked up that somebody who is visually impaired can't even audition for this part. They're not even allowed to audition for it. They're not even considering that. And I can guarantee you it's because the producers thought it would take too much time to work with somebody who's disabled. And, well, I think there's there's, there's several reasons. And one of them that they're going to say... Well, yeah, that's... They're going to say, well, okay, it's going to take a lot more time. And there is truth to that. You know, it's... You're you're playing, you're pretending to be blind, but let's face it, you know where the camera is, you know where not to look, you know yeah. where you know you have you have that that uh, that reference, and you're not having to be so careful with someone on set because they're obviously able to see where they're going, and so you're going to have that. I understand, but I don't think it's a coincidence that she was tall and thin and blonde and attractive. Mm. Um, very thin. Body shaming. I'm not body shaming. She was very thin. She, but she's just a very stereotypical like model body. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she, well, that's she what I meant. I, she was, she, yeah. you know, she had that runway like glamour body, and it's like okay, but that's the real reason. It, the the real reason is that she's she's a good enough actor that she was that she successfully played. I like she she um you know had this. She was very sure to look in the direction of a person because you don't know where somebody's eyes are. You've seen. I've watched people play 
a blind character and you can see the struggle to try not to seem like they're blind. Yeah. And uh, she had this just like really natural way of doing it that that worked. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the characters, for instance, on on the show that is actually blind, who plays a daughter, Callie Walton, I believe, you can see that there's a movement to her eyes, which you will oftentimes see in people that have impairments that wouldn't work for them. Yeah. Aesthetically. Right. Right. They don't want that. There's, you know, they want someone who has beautiful, piercing, green, blue eyes and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and fits that mold. And so that's why it's like, it's like I hate myself for liking the show, but it was, everyone did a good job. I can't take that away right. from them. It was, it was well written and um, it's a CW show. So you're going to run into those really unrealistic scenarios. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that you're like, and I this thought, would never happen. I thought the, the, the whole cast, I thought it was cast really well. Yeah. You know, her best friend in the show I thought was charming and just really great. And um, the crazy Brooke guy Markham. they work yeah, yeah, the crazy guy they work with with the longish hair. Uh, Morgan Krantz. Yeah, yeah he, was, uh, he was really good. <clears throat> um, yeah, and the cop and the, the, the other cop. And everybody just, yeah, everyone just, it was cast really well. And everyone played the part really well. But the, the 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 kind of like the main cop guy he run into that same problem that I run into with um what, what's his name Rich Somner yeah he I always see him Somner Somner and he's always like the nice guy yeah right so it's kind of the same Walter Goggins thing where like you look at him and you're like all right you know he's a he's a nice guy so I don't know it's I I find myself struggling more with seeing big name actors and things taking me out of stuff you well, know I mean. I, I think that 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 uh, Rich Rich Somer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I know him in stuff. Yeah, but I don't think of him as like huge. Well, not that. Like, just that like people like I don't know always playing the same role. So when you see them, yeah. you're predetermined well, that's, to that's, think, all right. Unfortunately, and, that's also how they're cast. Yeah, you know uh, that 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 can make or break you as an actor, right? Yeah, and and and. You have to make a living. So mm-hmm. if somebody says, we've given you yet another safe character and here's your pay, mm-hmm. are you going to turn that down? Right. You, you got to eat. Everybody you know? can't be Ben Mendelsohn. So <laughs> so you you kind of get pigeonholed into that. Like, mm-hmm. well, this is a character that I'm always going to be cast as and this is what I'm going to have to play. I think that's I think as actors, we always want to play a different character. I think he would love to play a complete like maniac, yeah. but he's never going to be cast as that because it has a big teddy bear face and yeah. that's how everybody's going to see him. So that's that, unfortunately. Yeah. Hey, you take what you can get at that point, but I ain't mad at him. I'm just saying, uh, that I ain't mad. At him. <laughs> I ain't mad. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's something I have to get over, I guess. I think it was really good for a CW show. Yeah. There were there were aspects of it that you were like, this is so a CW mm-hmm, show. Yeah. And then there were times that you were like, wow, I'm surprised they did X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. on a CW show. So it was weird. It was like this weird uh, th- this weird balance. Yeah. But yeah, you did have those moments where you were like, mm-hmm, this is like major channel TV. Like, mm-hmm. this, you know, you know what you're getting. Not quite as ridiculous as like Flash and all that. Those shows to me are just like fantastic, weird. <laughs> They're just weirdly so unrealistic. Unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, but this had, you know, it had an edge, and the, mm-hmm. the comedy was really good, and I I really enjoyed that. There's going to be a season two. Uh-huh. I feel like this show would benefit so much if it was just on on Netflix or Hulu or something like That's that. That's what I thought it was. I didn't know that it was that it was a CW show until we started watching it, and mm-hmm. I saw, you know, they had the intro, and I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just like an independent kind of series. Um, so I, I really did like it. And it, there's, you know, we can get into the whole, we can get in, branch off into the whole like inclusion thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it sucks. It's just unfortunate. <clears throat> and and I, I'm not a person that feels that, that an able-bodied actor shouldn't be allowed to play a disabled actor. I think it's that there aren't enough opportunities for disabled actors. As an actor, that's your job is to play all different types of characters convincingly. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at somebody for playing someone that's disabled. I'm mad at the industry for making it so hard yeah. for somebody who some can say was born to play this role. Yeah. Like if there's anyone who can do this, I got it because yeah. I'm paralyzed from the waist yeah. down. I actually know what this is like. Right. And it's like, no, 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 you can't even audition for, don't even bother auditioning yeah. because you because can't. Because it's, 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 it's hard. Like, again, you know, we talked to Eileen Gruba, Gruba mm-hmm. about this and looking some of the podcasts back, but it's, it's, 
impossible for them to get them. It's impossible for disabled people to get disabled roles. Can you imagine how impossible it is for them to get regular roles? If you want, if you wanted to have uh, cast a, a show and you're like, well, we want to have this person has a roommate. Well, why can't that roommate be? Just be Disney. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. It's... I, th- I think that it's that part of it is that we need to, we need, look, it's all baby steps, right? Unfortunately. And mm-hmm. it's, it's sad, but we kind of have to take what we can get, even though it's like, well, that's a really weak attempt, but it's like, well, it's an attempt nonetheless. And let's kind of build from that. Right. And I think that we as writers and, and, and people in the business really need to just start incorporating People having some kind of defect, if you will, for the lack of a better term, right? When you watch, for instance, if you watch a a show and someone has a cast on their arm, the first question is, well, why do they have a cast on their arm? Yeah. Because they do. Yeah. Because some people have a cast. If I walk into a supermarket, I'm like, why is there a cast on your arm? (laughs) Yeah. I just accept in my day-to-day life, obviously something happened. I mean, this is not, it doesn't. It, Can I sign it? It, does, it doesn't take a whole lot of brain power to assume that you slipped or you fell. Maybe you were on a, bu- who knows? A hundred different things could have happened mm. that put you in that cast. I don't need to know why to interact with you. Yeah. You know, I, if you're wearing an eye patch as my cashier. Because we're obsessed with perfection and yeah, everybody's got to be pretty and saying. tall. And That's what I'm saying. But we're obsessed with that on television which is so ironic because in real life we wouldn't freak out if somebody wasn't aesthetically pleasing to the eye i wouldn't be like i'm sorry my cashier is not she this this cashier is not hot enough for me i don't want to be on this line like that (laughs) i mean come on you know that's like we just accept it Mm -hmm. if i see somebody on on a crutch with their pant tied up uh it's pretty obvious they lost their leg could have been from an infection could have been in the war i don't know but I'm not going to accost that person and demand that I know why. But yeah. we demand that of characters in films. Yeah. We need to know why this person has a scar on their face. Is it part of the story? Oh, my God. There's something. Maybe they just have a scar on their face because sometimes people have scars on their face. Sometimes they lose a fucking eye because someone shot it out with a paintball. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Something stupid happened and they lost their eye. And that's what happens. And we're not used to seeing that. And I feel like we need to have more of that of just you see that a lot in European television and shows where people will just have an imperfection for no fucking reason Mm -hmm. this person has a hearing aid on their ear why because they probably can't hear out of that ear (laughs) that's why you'd have it on there yeah it's not a plot it's not part of the plot doesn't have to be yeah you can just be imperfect and still create a good show and i think that's what that's how that's like the, the the beginning step to easing it in it's just having a character having have a partial hearing impairment yeah they can hear, they can hear, and they can talk perfectly, so to speak. But the only way for them to do that is to have that hearing aid in. Mm-hmm. We're just not, we, we, we've become so obsessed with perfection in film and television. It's like we want to, when we want to escape, we want that to be in a perfect world, which yeah. is, which is funny when you think about like, oh, this film, this is like a film about a backwoods family, a bunch of fucking inbreeders that murder an entire household of people. Well, Make sure they're attractive. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that Even really... if we have to throw dirt on them, make sure they're attractive first. Is that really a requirement? Yeah. I mean, there's there's no possible way that not a single person in that town uh, can't hear well yeah. or is missing a finger. You know yeah. I mean? Or weighs more than 100 pounds. You know, I mean, this doesn't happen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I've been thinking about that a lot since watching the show, like just in writing of like, isn't it interesting that I don't, I've never written a character that just had some shit that happened mm. and how I would like to be able to do that and just not offer the explanation. Yeah. Cause it'll be the first thing you have to answer whenever there's a Q and a about the film. Yeah. What does the scar mean? Nothing. Like, we noticed that this, uh, that this character that we only saw for two minutes had an eye patch. Why? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cause they, they lost their eye, <laughs> I guess. You yeah. know? Cause they had an eye patch and that's just why, I guess. I know that'll be that'll definitely be a thing, but we have to kind of get over that hurdle of people constantly bombarding you with questions that are irrelevant. Just focus and that's on our, the story. that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna change Hollywood. You and that's me. what I'm gonna do. Let's do with it. My writing, mm-hmm. and you're gonna do it with your cinematography. 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 So I have no idea what's going on for next week. We'll be here though. We will be here. Mm. Um, we got like another month before we have uh, part of the, the cast on. Mm-hmm. 
to talk. And um, one of our actors, Kieran J. Anthony, Mm -hmm. is going to be in a play. So he won't be here for the show because he's going to be doing a play called, uh, I believe it was Antelope Party. The Antelope Party. Mm -hmm. Um, And so. So go to that play if you live in the city. Yeah. I think it's the Wild Project or Dutch Dutch Kills Theater. Mm. So if you're local to the city and stuff, check um, it out. Check it out. We will be. Yeah, we're we're hoping to go. I'd, I'd like to try to be able to go. We got a lot of stuff going on in the next like month and a half. Yeah, it's like bam, bam, bam. We got a whole bunch of crap going on. We're so, making we're making moves. We're making moves here. We're working up that corporate ladder. Yeah. So um, shout outs to Steady Geek and Reality Bomb Comicast. Not up for debate. Perry Horovis, who's in Prague. Yeah, he's catching in, the coronavirus. He's in what? In Prague? Yeah, it's all over there. Oh, God, get over yourself. Um, he's in castles. He's hanging out yeah. in castles, as one does. Must be nice. <laughs> it must be nice to be king of the world over uh-huh. there. So, yeah. So, shout out. Safe travels. And uh, I don't know. We got stuff. We got stuff going on. I don't know. People will be on the show talking about things that has to do with film, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got some feelers out there for some guests. We got some feelers. People are quite busy. Yeah. Unfortunately. And, um, well, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for them. Yeah, fortunately for them. And so if you have a project or a film that's coming up, if you want us to review your film or a trailer or something project, uh, reach out to us yep. on, on the socials and the handles and yep. go gorilla. Instagram. Film. Because twi- we don't check. <laughs> what was it? Instagram. <laughs> we don't check Twitter that often. It was really aggressive. <laughs> yeah, or just the website too. We got a, a contact form. Go to Century Productions. Um, go GorillaFilmCast.com and talk to us about whatever you want to talk to us about. Like, hey, I don't like you guys. Psh, feelings mutual. Yeah. Fuck off. Um, yeah. We hope to hear from you. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you signing off. Signing off. Mm-hmm.